0: Well, good morning to you all. And I'm amazed how many are here. You all drive Volkswagens too then, eh? If you have a Dodge Ford or Chevy, you probably had to get a ride by a Volkswagen. I'm just teasing. At least my car started. It, it, I, I was sitting in the front pew and God's going, what if your car doesn't start after church now? Well, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Just a a, a little kind of comment before the message starts. Um, We've been spending a lot of time talking about hearing God. And I hope you picked up on something. Uh, This is part of, because God speaks through the scriptures primarily. He speaks through other Christians, dreams, visions, uh, different things like that. So we're in prayer back in the back room. And it was a half sentence that I said. You know, God, you bring us the seasons, and we thank you for the cold, something like that. Well, that stuck with Michael, and so Michael pulled that rope, went into the Scriptures, and then he was able to share it with you. You see, God always wants to speak to you, and he's speaking through others. He's speaking through his Word, and uh, we just need to start paying attention We need to open up our ears and hear and and our minds to comprehend what really is going on. So uh, I should have had this unthawed here before I got going. There's a good one. So driving the last few days just before I go to prayer, it reminded me that everyone, it's been slippery out, right? Anybody notice that? It reminded me that everyone has a different level of skill and confidence when they drive. The confidence is not necessarily connected to their ability to drive. And in fact, sometimes it should be connected and it isn't. Now, this week I was following this vehicle and he was going 40 in a 70 zone and I think he got up to a whole 50 kilometers an hour in an 80 zone. And yet I could tell he could drive perfectly good. And I was sitting there going, seriously? You have no confidence, buddy. You're a good driver. Put your foot on it. And I actually, I've told you, I have that uh, dash cam. Should just unplug it and get rid of it because it records everything I say and I'm worried that someday (laughs) it'll be played at my funeral or something. This is the real Anthony. Listen to how he talks to all the other drivers. But but honestly, in life, we all suffer the same dilemma, don't we? Uh, Some are really skilled in this life And some are really confident. And when the two come together, it's powerful. And I would argue in Jesus, it should come together in us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We get light into the darkness. We get revelation and truth that sets us free. And I just want to say from Brad two weeks ago that preached about being in tune and working your gift, having a little bit of self-discipline in your walk with God, to last Sunday where we talked about how all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, we talked especially about that there is more freedom to be had, more freedom to be had. I came across these two quotes this week and I think they really set the stage for what we want to look at God does not want a slightly better version of you he wants a transformed version of you did you hear that second quote what are you afraid of of leaving that which you will soon which will soon leave you what are you afraid of of following too much goodness finding a to loving God, of being drawn by an attraction that is stronger than self or the charms of this poor world. I implore you, be afraid of nothing so much as this false fear, this foolish worldly wisdom that hesitates between God and self, between vice and virtue, between gratitude and ingratitude, between life and death. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, as I proclaim and preach a couple of really familiar passages, the the sort of reaction that many of us would do is just to tune out. But Father, I just pray that we will be able to, by the power of your Holy Spirit, by your presence ask a really tough question at the end of the text that we read today. If this hasn't impacted our day-to-day lives, then we are to be pitied more than anybody. If we are chasing after this false self-confidence that's not rooted in anything, or we're trying really hard to become very knowledgeable of stuff that (laughs) just has no direction or form. Oh God, we just pray that this truth that we proclaim today will set us free. The bondages, the chains will begin to be broken and we will be transformed. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. So I want to expand a a little bit today on the idea that we kind of looked at last week that we all have an infection of sin. You may remember I said, for all have sinned and fall short of the the glory of God. And this sin has put us in bondage. And our perceptions are colored enough that we will easily fall into believing lies. And those lies will affect and infect all of our outcomes, all of our processes, all of the things that we do. So what we need to do is let the light shine in our lives to reveal the lies and then have those lies released and the truth to set us free. Maybe this will help you a bit to get where I'm going. Friday I was sitting in my living room at my house having coffee with my daughter Shaylinn. And I was sitting in a part of the living room where I could see out to my exact front yard and a suburban, brand new suburban pulled up, stopped in front of my house. And I kind of went, oh, wonder what they want now I live in O'Brien, and like anywhere in town we've had a lot of porch pirates and we've had thieves that have come and stolen stuff, and we've had a little bit of drug dealing going on in the park and and so I, I'm a little bit kind of got the antennas up in this guy's park there, and then he starts to slowly creep forward and at that point, my radar my paranoia, my fear, the darkness overwhelmed me. And I remember saying out loud, I said, what is that guy up to? What is he trying to do? And my daughter, Shaylin, looks out the window and she goes, Dad, don't you see it? I said, see what? She said, the neighbor's backing out of his driveway and he's just stopping to let the neighbor go. You see, our perspective is so blind we don't see like we should see. Our, our perspectives are so tainted. Sin has infected every part of us. So, so why would I be suspicious, though? As I started expressing my concern, it became really clear to my daughter that I was off base, but to me, the lie seemed logical. So how do we get to the truth? Number one, real simple, admit we have a blindness and that we have sin in our lives that affects our perspectives. We are all in some sort of prison in our mind and we will never reach our God-given design until we admit we need our chains broken. We need to admit that we have a problem. So number one point of my two-point sermon, number one point is our broken, sinful world has left us all in chains. And my prayer is by the end of these very common scriptures that you'll be able to say yes with a nod of your head. I've got some chains, I've believed some lies. When you go to Genesis chapter 1, you start to see, and you can flip your Bibles there, you will start to see the creation of the world. You know, the sun and the moon and the stars and the earth and the water and then light shows up and then the animals and, the, well, the people then the animals. And then you get to Genesis 1.31 and this is an incredibly important and profound statement. God saw that all that he had made. God saw all that he had made and there's a little adjective in front of the verb, and it was very good. And it was very good. Well, I live in this world. I'm experiencing in this creation. I mean, we're so freaked out right now about carbon, and we're worried this whole thing's gonna implode and be destroyed, and I'm not gonna go into what I think on all that, that's not my point. And I live in this world where, where animals are devouring animals and we're devouring animals and, and rocks are coming off mountains and falling on people and the oceans are rising and it just seems awful what's going on. I mean, planes are being blown out of the sky. It, it just seems like, and, and I have loved ones that are dying. It's very good. Well, we just need to go down a few chapters. Genesis chapter three, and we start seeing what went wrong. Genesis 3, 1 says, now the serpent, now who the serpent was whether it was Satan, it seems to be referred to as Satan later on, uh, or whether it was just an animal. We're not too sure, or was it Satan embodied an animal? Doesn't matter, but the main point, listen to the main point. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, here comes the lie, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, the woman said to the serpent, correcting, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. There's a correction of the lie. But God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Now you go, Where did death come from? Here it comes. Here's where death came from. Verse 4 You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. There's a lie again. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, you might have read that for years and went, oh, what's wrong with knowing good and evil? What's wrong with being like God? You have to understand the consequences and the lie that was proclaimed here. Verse six, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, this was her goal, she took some of it and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together made coverings for themselves. Now understand, up to this point, they could walk around utterly butt naked and there wasn't a malicious thought in their heads. There was no worry about the suburban slowly driving by the house. You would have not thought even a bad thought about what that guy doing out there. You have to understand, when, when Eve went against one thing that God said, I mean, the whole garden was theirs. They just weren't supposed to touch one tree. Whether it was symbolic or real doesn't matter, but it brought in a cascading effect. Sin began to taint everything, lies began to become real. Suspicion, like nakedness, began to rise up. There was no purity and innocence anymore. Instead of freedom, they gained bondage. Instead of wisdom, they gained brokenness. Verse eight goes on to say, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God and he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, as he was walking in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. This is a new thing. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. Up to this point, man was not afraid of God understood the intimacy and the love and the care and the creator and all the things that he is. And now suddenly I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, and I love this one. Uh, We've been blaming our wives ever since, right guys? You know, where did my glasses go? What did you do with that paper I had out here? The woman you put here with me, she she gave me some fruit from the tree and, and, and I ate it. It took no responsibility. You know, we just get into this lie. We get into believing these lies. We start blaming other people. We start getting suspicious of other people. It's their fault. It's not my fault. Or else we get really down on ourselves and we can't even, be, even make one decision. We can't drive a car on ice, whatever it might be. They were so innocent, and God said it was good. They saw each other with purity. Now they see nakedness. Sin has left us all insecure. It has tainted and infected every part of our being, and to claim to be without sin is a lie, and the truth isn't in us. Last week, I made a statement, and I'm gonna say it again. If you're a fire insurance Christian, and have not heard the rest of the story, let me fill you in. Now a fire insurance Christian is somebody who understands that they are sinners in need of a savior, they need cleansing, they need purified, they need forgiveness. So they receive Jesus in their heart and they understand from John 3.16 that they get eternal life. That's a fire insurance Christian. A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Alliance, Presbyterian minister, he had good doctrine, good theology, he understood salvation, he was born again. And through a series of events and different teachings, he began to understand in the Scriptures that there was more to the faith than that. And he called it the deeper Christian life. And I will say to you, there's more to be had than fire insurance. So point number two. Number one, first of all, admit that you've got an issue. That you've got some hurts, you've got some bondage, you've got some filters on your eyes that make you see things a little bit off. So point number two, we need to understand this. Jesus came to set the captives free. Turning in your Bibles to Isaiah 61 verse one. Now this is Isaiah the prophet speaking about himself and a prophecy on himself, but it gets applied later by Jesus. But listen to Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me, listen to this, to proclaim good news to the poor, Are we poor? Oh, spiritually? We're just bankrupt. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Oh, and we are pretty good at feeling good about ourselves. I mean, I still, every once in a while, if I think about my dad or I think, I get a tear in my eye and I'm still brokenhearted, honestly, but for the most part, I, I, I live in this world and I, I kind of like this world and I, I kind of feel, especially when my Volkswagen starts at minus 32, I, I feel good about myself, but, but honestly, deep in my soul, my heart, I've got some wounds, I, I've got some brokenheartedness to proclaim freedom for the captives. I sure hope you understand that we're captives, that there's more freedom to be had, and release from darkness for the prisoners. Oh, I read First John chapter one, and it talks so much about light. That we once were in darkness, now we're in light. And, And the light, it reveals those things in the dark. And when the darkness reveals the, or when the light reveals what's in the darkness, then we can see the truth and we can see the perspective. We can see the neighbor backing out of the driveway. We start to see perspective. We start to see things from God's point of view. We start to see the truth. And the truth sets us free. And it even goes deeper than that. We start to have a healing from the stuff that's happened to us. Verse 2 goes on, to proclaim the year of the Lord's... Sorry, I missed the one passage. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our Lord, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy, instead of mourning, and a garment of praise, instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Now this very passage from Isaiah, Jesus is on the earth, he's doing his ministry, and he shows up at the temple. So turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter four, verse 16. And the text says, Jesus, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom, it's where he grew up, sort of be like uh, uh, somebody coming home and leading worship or somebody coming home and doing something like what they used to do. As was his custom, he stood up to read. Now notice Jesus didn't pick this text. This is one of those God moments. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found a place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll Gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Then he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You see, Jesus understood right from the creation of the world that man was going to go where we went that darkness was going to enter in, that death was going to come, that bondage would overcome us, that sorrow would fill our hearts, that our souls would have all these hurts and pains and misunderstanding and lies that we believed, and Jesus came to set us free for eternal life, cleansing of our sins, but even more than that, friends. Now, this is only a 30-minute sermon. I can't teach you everything to help you get set free. My goal is not to see transformation in you today. My goal is, number one, that you would see your need. And number two, that you would begin more seriously on the path to transformation. Oh, I love how Ray Dirksen from Southland Church puts it now. He, he was going through as a church, a, a couple of churches before he went to Steinbeck and, his church was a mess, they were, they were divided, they were bitter, they were fighting, they, it just was so awful. I mean, there was a lot of unhappiness, and uh, he just didn't know what to do, so he called the Cetera Twins in to do a, a revival meeting, and, and the Holy Spirit showed up, and the church was transformed. Now, just to say, Satara Twins are Alliance guys, so we'll take credit for that. Actually, they're about 98 years old. I think they're still singing from last I heard. But he said the church the next Sunday was so different it was palpable, but he said within six months they were right back where they were. And he began to understand this principle, that he had experienced a visitation of the Holy Spirit in his church, but there was no habitation. What we're talking about, what what soul care, Holy Spirit weekend, uh, what rising above, which we're gonna talk about in a moment, what. What uh, Hearing God, it's about a habitation of God in your life. It's about renewing your mind. It's about the disciplines that we heard Brad speak of a few Sundays ago. And I just tell you, please understand that you are blind and you're in darkness and God wants to set you free through Jesus Christ. And I'm gonna do a little different thing this morning. I'm gonna have an interview and so if Mel Sigoko would come up, Now Mel Sigoko is the founder and manager of a ministry called Rising Above. And uh, we probably always think of them as reaching out to the most difficult, broken, distraught people in the world. But I wanna tell you here today that I have gone to see Mel myself. So am I saying that I'm broken? Yes, I am. Am I saying that I believe lies? Yes, I am. And so I have a couple of questions for Mel just to try to get your minds into understanding what Jesus has really truly come to do. So you manage a nonprofit organization that helps anyone wanting to find wholeness that transforms them. Your website says committed to breaking cycles of defeat. Why do you do what you do when our own government programs have chosen to turn to harm reduction instead of transformation?
1: Concept of harm reduction.
0: Um, did your son turn it off?
1: Maybe he did. Can we this
0: out? Yeah, we can. There we go. Okay.
1: Thank you. So the concept of harm reduction comes out of this understanding that we can understand, so for example, the addicts. We can understand how they got to this place. There's emotional trauma that hasn't been resolved, and so there's an understanding for that, which leads to a compassionate response. But it's left with this emptiness because we say (coughs) we understand how you got here and why you're here, but we can't help you get out of it So we're going to do what we can out of a compassionate heart to make life as comfortable as possible or reduce the harm And so in Grand Prairie here we have you know the supervised consumption sites or safe injection sites um, Needle exchanges Rotary House has the map program which they call the Intox, Which you can be part of and still be inebriated or under the influence all of that is harm reduction to try to make it as comfortable as possible for that, the phrase would be the still suffering addict. Whereas our approach is um, harm reduction isn't enough because it doesn't change anybody. Um, It maybe keeps them alive in their suffering, but we said they don't have to suffer because they can be transformed by the hope of the gospel. So harm reduction comes out of the sense of hopelessness. Transformation says there is hope for each of us, whether you're in the addictions Or whether you're just living out some other form of a lie-based pain and so yeah we go with the second area of we believe in in heart transformation through the hope that jesus brings
0: in fact i was just sitting uh with one of your clients last sunday and and i said so what is rising above doing for you and he said well uh we're we're spending our time right now healing healing me from some of the hurts and pains from my past Mm -hmm. and so with that said you work with people locked in cycles of defeat would you describe your work as behavior modification or supernatural transformation?
1: The work that we do is definitely supernatural transformation. And because we invite the healing presence, transforming power of God into people's pain, dealing with those hurts from the past. And in the addiction community, again, there's a lot of unresolved emotional trauma dealing with past um, abuse, being molested, insecurities. And they need the power of God to break that. And so, There's that, what we call as the the lie-based belief. And so the behavior itself is not the problem. It kind of comes out of Romans chapter 7. And you might be familiar with the tension in Romans 7 where Paul says, you know, the very things I hate, those are the things I end up doing. The things I want to do, those are the things I don't do those things. And if you get stuck in that cycle, which we would call that a cycle of defeat, um, it's not the behavior that needs to be modified. There's something else going on that makes you do the things you don't want to do. And so we always behave based on what we feel. We feel what we believe, and so let's get to the source of the belief, allow God to bring transformation through his truth, and then the feelings are changed, and and then your behavior can now match what you feel and what you believe. And so it comes back to not behavior modification, but heart transformation. And as I say that, there's still a place for counseling and therapy, and even at times, medication. So I'm not knocking those things just saying there's a place here for heart transformation that comes only from the truth of Jesus Christ.
0: Is that making sense to everybody? So uh, a question here, is it your experience that everyone, and I'm talking about you and me, Mm -hmm. I'm talking about everybody here, not just the people on the street that are, you know, it's really obvious, and honestly, all of us are really good at hiding what we have. Is it your experience that everyone has lies or defeat that needs broken and healed?
1: Absolutely we all do and i think the reason that i'm such a firm believer and advocate for inner healing is because of the transforming power that i experienced personally when we lived in winnipeg many years ago uh, when i was set free by the transforming power of his truth through some deep rooted insecurities and i was in pastoral ministry at the time and anthony you said you've come for some support and we've worked with a number of christian leaders and a number of people in our christian community that come they may not need the residential addiction treatment program that kind of rising above is known for um, but they need healing for the lies they believe. And it kind of goes back to, Anthony. Pastor Anthony was talking about um, Genesis chapter 3 and where those Satan used lies there to capture Adam and Eve. And he's been perfecting and honing that skill, which is his, basically his only tool in his toolbox. And if it's your only tool, you're going to get pretty good at using it. And so he uses it in the hearts and lives of people, period. And yes, we all need transformation and healing from those lies.
0: So Mel, can anyone make an appointment at Rising Above?
1: Yes, you can call Rising Above or get in touch with us and you can make an appointment if you want to pursue and see some of your own cycles of defeat broken. Um, that said, when it comes to working with people from the community, we do have a, uh, we call it a sliding fee scale, so there is a fee. If your income is $100,000 or more, that suggested rate of pay would be $90 for a session to come and work through some of that. And the scale goes down, and then at the bottom there's a line there that says if whatever number would match your income, if that is still unfeasible, you're free to write your own number in there of what you can afford to pay. And that is because of the generous support of the community that supports what rising above, that we can say to you, you can come and get the help um, even if you can't pay. We want to help people break their cycles of defeat.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much, Mel. Thank you, Pastor. I wanna say it again as I started out saying, this is super basic stuff. This is super simple Christian reality and truth. And you might be tempted to brush it off and say, oh well, I've grown as much as I can or I'm comfortable with where I'm at or it's just the way I am. And, And understand there is some characteristics in your personality that God's made you that way, and that's okay. Introvert, extrovert, uh, uh, you can be gifted at this or that. You can be a, a, a sales kind of person, or maybe you're uh, somebody that's more an analytical thinker. And th- Those are good things in your personality, but there are often those things, those, those areas, those, those pains and those hurts that they actually lay under the surface. Now, I went to Mel, and I, I think it was about an hour or two our session, And I won't go into huge detail about it, but what, what happened was as we began to reveal, as Mel asked questions, we began to kind of go down into the root of what was affecting, you know, the, as Mel said, uh, the way, the behavior that we present, and it could be drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever it is, the behavior we present is usually a symptom, a symptom of some underlying thing, a lie we believed, a hurt or pain that needs healed, and so what Mel does in a lot of the stuff we've been going through as a church is it reveals that. So it revealed to me in kindergarten I had a pain and a hurt. And I there was two things that happened in the same incident, but the one thing was I was falsely accused by the teacher of doing something and all the other students looked at me and I felt shame. I felt scorned. I felt falsely accused. And so Mel said to me, he said, okay, we're going to pray. And he asked me, he asked Jesus to show me where he was in that situation. And in that situation, I actually saw this picture of me sitting on a chair and Jesus wrapping his coat around me and protecting me. And my wife actually in my office, she drew up a picture, and it's from the scriptures even, that he will put his cloak around you and so I look at that all the time and there was a significant change that happened in my heart. That, that original root, that power was routed out. Oh, I've still got some habits I've got to deal with as soon as I feel falsely accused. I can go into protective mode but it, it so easily is revealed now and I can shut it down and say thank you to somebody when they come to me with some advice whether I think it's true or not. I just want to say to you there's more freedom to be had There's more freedom to be had. Lest you brush off this sermon, let me ask you, how has this truth changed your daily routine? Do you want freedom? Do you want more healing? Do you want the light to shine in those dark places? And I said it last Sunday, and I'll say it this Sunday again. We have Set Free coming up in just, I think it's three weeks, and I don't know anybody that's gone to Set Free that's been disappointed. Uh, whether it's my 70-year-old elder and his wife that went, and they were just like, wow, this is good stuff. And, and Dell and Phyllis are good people, don't get me wrong. God's done incredible things in their lives. But they both came away feeling like, I really dealt with some good stuff there. Or Michael Sigoko, who's my young 20-something-year-old staff person. He and his wife just loved it too. You can call Rising Above and make an appointment. Or at the beginning of April, we have soul care. Or coming up this Wednesday, we have Hearing God. And you say, well, which one should I do? And I, I, I have been through all four. And each one did a little more a little less for me. Revealed something. They all kind of come at it the same way, different way, scriptures, and it's all lie-based and truth encounters, and friends, we need to have more freedom. We're actually gonna have the confidence in this world, and we're gonna be able to do all things through Christ who strengthens us, and we're gonna become who we are to be in Christ. Not a better version of yourself, but a redeemed, transformed version of yourself. We've all sinned and we've all been affected by lies and bondage. Jesus came to set the captives free. And I wanna say to you, our altar is open. This might be the first step you need to make today, just to come down here and ask somebody to pray for you. And there might be a series of steps, phoning rising above, signing up for Set Free if you go to gpac.life. The Soul Care, I hope this week it'll be online to be able to register for that. Or whatever you might do. But I'm just telling you, get into the Word. Start praying. Start hearing God's voice. This is exciting stuff, people. Nothing frustrates me more than people who say, I learn nothing. I learn nothing when I read my Bible. And I go, really? Really? Let's bow and pray. Heavenly Father, <laughs> I know that your Spirit works in this stuff. I know your Holy Spirit is, is saying to many here, yeah, I, I need more freedom. Uh, I, I have a lot of lie-based decisions. Uh, I don't see the whole picture, and, and, and I think so low of myself, or, or I have this ungodly confidence that is isn't braced in reality. I, I think I'm greater than I am, and oh God, would you reveal the truth? Would the light shine in the darkness in our life? And God, if there's somebody here this morning, whether it's now or later or tomorrow or the next day, may they make the steps to have a habitation of the Holy Spirit in their lives. May they be plugged into the vine. May they have their minds renewed. And may they walk in victory. The transformed life is worth a thousand sermons to the world out there. When people see us starting to take ownership of our stuff and they see us getting changed and changed. Uh, even thinking about Mel, I can't imagine he had anything to work through. <laughs> you, God, have done such a good work in his life. He, to me, he's a spiritual giant. <laughs> but we heard his words. He had stuff to get healed from. He had lies to be revealed. And he has been able to be who he is today because you, God, you, Jesus Christ, died on the cross, coming to set the captives free. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Please stand.